People matter, freedom matters, peace matters. And to liberty, and to freedom. Free its people. March with me under the banner of freedom. Belief in freedom. Defending the frontiers of freedom. To ensure freedom. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. Hello, hello. Welcome to Talking in the Free World. Um, I'm Mariam Amar Sadegi. Talking in the Free World is a production of Canada's McDonald Laurier Institute. I am absolutely thrilled to have with me today Azar Nafisi, uh, an author who I have had the uh, great honor to have known for decades now and respect so very much. Uh, Azar Nafisi has a brand new book out uh, called Reading Dangerously. Um, uh, Nafisi, welcome to the program. Thank you so much, Marianne-Jean. As always, it's such a pleasure to be talking to you. Thank you very much for making time to be with us, especially in your busy schedule, uh, launching your book. I know it's been out now and I see it in bookstores at the very front and it gives me so much pride. Um, uh, let me just do a quick introduction. Azar Nafisi is of course the, uh, uh, author of Reading Lolita in Tehran, an international uh, hit translated into 32 languages, a bestseller. Um, she is, uh, for the Iranian people, of course, very much our, one of our own. Um, and I, as I mentioned, a, a big source of pride. In addition to that book, of course, she's a liter literary critic and an academic a scholar uh, in Iran and at Johns Hopkins University for many years. Um, she has also written in both Persian and English other books, um, including uh, Things I Have Been Silent About and A Republic of Imagination. And of course, as I mentioned, uh, most recently, uh, Read Dangerously. Um, so uh, let me begin with just a couple of anecdotes. When I was uh, very young, still a student, I remember uh, Azar Nafisi was still living in Iran and I was, um, struck so much by her courage because she would travel to the United States for conferences that Mahnaz Afghami, the former minister for women's affairs prior to the revolution in Iran, would organize under the auspices of Sisterhood is Global or Women's Learning Partnership. And Azar would come and she would say the most dangerous and daring things and then travel back to Iran. And I was just, uh, I was always very struck. And uh, then of course she wrote um, Reading Lolita in Tehran. And uh, I remember a, an anecdote that Carl Gershman, the founder and uh, head of the National Endowment for Democracy uh, told that they would uh, correspond over facts and talk about the University of Fredonia <laughs> and uh, even when, even when um, Azar Nafisi was still in Tehran and doing very uh, dangerous things with literature and uh, her imagination. So um, and you may be familiar, as I mentioned, with her other books, including Republic of Imagination, which I, I, I really love the cover of, uh, done by Peter Sis, who I just, I, I adore his work. Um, let me begin, uh, Azar, with a question about the book very, very directly. And of course, our entire conversation will be about the book uh, as a launch pad for a broader discussion about both um, 
uh, the United States, the free world in general, and Iran, because you traverse between all of these worlds um, in this book. Why did you write this in particular, and how is it how is its purpose distinct from your other books? Well, Mariam John, first of all, thank you so much for that introduction and for reminding me of um, those days. Uh, um, I. The idea for this book came out of my deep frustrations with how things were going on. Uh, well, in, bo in the, both countries I had called home. In, in Iran, there was a new wave of violence by the regime. There were um, uh, protests and uh, um, jail and harassment and torture and uh, killing. And uh, in the United States, uh, there were these totalitarian trends that I noticed. You know, when you have experienced, uh, gone through a totalitarian experience, uh, you become very sensitive and sensitized towards it um, uh, in the new home that uh, you choose. And so for me, uh, the first signs of uh, this totalitarian uh, uh, trend was in its uh, uh, attempt to fabricate, to deny reality, and to replace it with um, uh, something that does not exist, with, with illusions. And uh, uh, so uh, whenever I'm frustrated, I... Um, usually turn to writing and, and, and reading. So I, but this time I just needed to have a real conversation. And so in my diaries, I started writing letters uh, to everyone of my father, of course, but uh, to Donald Trump, even, you know, just responding to him uh, in terms of uh, his fabrications. And uh, by and by, this obsession uh, took over so much that I felt it needs to be investigated. Mm -hmm. I need to come out of this mode of constant outrage and do something about it. And writing puts that necessary distance with, with reality that helps you see things and, uh, in a clarified way. Mm -hmm. and, and so to make a long story short, um, uh, I realized that I can't write letters randomly. Uh, they would be too random for a book. Well, uh, at first I started writing to the writers that I had chosen. And um, it seemed a bit artificial and, and stilted, uh, you know, telling writers what their books are all about, you know. And I was talking to actually a common friend of ours, uh, Laudane Burumand, and I was telling her how frustrated I felt. I couldn't find the right person, the right interlocutor. And she said, why don't you find a third person to write hmm. to? And that gave me the idea of writing to a person whom all my life I had corresponded with anyway, namely my father. Um, my, the first time my father wrote to me, I couldn't read or write. Uh, I was only four years old. And he created a diary addressing it to me and talking about our lives then 
and his aspirations for the future and what impact my presence in his life has had on him. Mm. And from that day on, uh, there was this special conversation going on with my mm -hmm. father. Uh, the first time I wrote to him, I was six years old and he was studying at the uh, American University in uh, uh, Washington. And uh, I would write on scraps of paper, just one or two lines, and he would respond to me as if I was a real um, person who could understand all the things that he was saying. Wow. And that is how uh, uh, this whole book yeah. started. Yeah, and of course, your father was in uh, in your previous books, so your 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 readers are familiar with him and uh, how much he has meant to you your entire life and your passion for literature, and your passion for your country, uh, first country, Iran. Um, so you talk about the tyrannical instinct, uh, the totalitarian instinct, um, and how this is not necessarily related to a totalitarian regime. It can exist even uh, within democracies and that you see the United States grappling with this uh, presently um, in the form of Donald Trump. And um, your father in this book, you have some, some of the, the things that your father had uh, written to um, US presidents and about American politics. And your dad was, uh, uh, concerned then too about how a country can be, particularly during the civil rights movement, can be uh, free and with a very democratic constitution and yet have injustices and um, the, 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 the dynamic nature of this country to correct itself. Um, so can you describe a bit about the totalitarian instinct as you see it in the United States? And then I have some questions about that for you. Uh, well, uh... At the end of reading Rolita, the last chapter, um, I paraphrase a question from Saul Bellow. He said, those who have survived the ordeal of Holocaust, how will they survive the ordeal of freedom? Because freedom is an ordeal. It is not something that is God given. Yeah. People have died and are, as we speak, are dying for it every day all around the world. Um, so what I felt from the moment I set foot in the United States again uh, in 1997 was um, this trend where uh, people were becoming uh, polarized and, and seeking comfort. Mm -hmm. uh, they didn't want to uh, see freedom as an ordeal because then uh, you had to take action. And um, the first sign of any totalitarian mindset, the first targets of totalitarian mindsets are always women, minorities, and culture as a whole. Yes. Uh, because culture, especially writing and, and journalism itself as well, um, they deal with facts and they deal with truth. Fiction deals with truth. It wants to find out, to investigate uh, what, what lies behind appearances. Mm -hmm. And so truth becomes very dangerous because once you know it, 
you cannot remain silent, you know. And I felt that um, too many of us were silent. And uh, the first sign of it I saw in the system of education, mm. where um, two trends uh, exist in today's education in America. One is this corporate mentality where it's very utilitarian. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't tell you that knowledge in and of itself is important to especially a democracy because from the first uh, task of a citizen that is voting, yeah. you need to know. You need yeah. to know about your past. You need to know about your values. And uh, uh, you need to know how to uh, implement them. Uh, therefore, voting becomes an act of knowledge. And if ignorance uh, uh, comes into it, then we have what we have right now. Uh, so that utilitarian mindset uh, was constantly attacking humanities and liberal arts, mm -hmm. imagination and ideas. Um, and then, of course, alongside of it, we see how the rights of women uh, have been eroding and uh, with minorities, uh, America has always carried this contradiction uh, within itself. Uh, yes. Uh, on one hand, uh, absolute freedom. On the other hand, uh, racism and um, uh, the, that kind of uh, repression. Yes. So, so let me ask you about uh, you. You talk about Plato and uh, the Republic and and the analogy to the cave and how uh, people have a uh, a preference. And uh, I was reminded actually by Carl Jung and the idea that. Um, people at some point in their life, uh, he, he, he says at around 35, prefer to not have freedom, uh, do things to uh, rob themselves of freedom because they seek comfort. And the, uh, you, you, you talk about uh, Plato's cave analogy and how, um, you know, in the eyes of, of Plato and the totalitarian mindset, people should, shouldn't be given the truth because it's, it's too much for them. And, um, that enlightenment and freedom can be painful. Um, when, you, when you look at a country, your own country, Iran, and other countries uh, similar to it that, that do not yet have a democratic government and are, are yearning and striving and aspiring for it, um, do you see more hopefulness than you see in a country like uh, America that is already democratic and free? You know, People living in countries like Iran, uh, one of the best examples apart from Iran is, uh, for example, the former Soviet Union. Uh, when people are deprived uh, mm -hmm, of their mm -hmm. freedoms, uh, they appreciate what, what is now absent. Uh, they uh, uh, react to it uh, uh, in that manner. Uh, yeah. So uh, in Iran, uh, for example, Iranian women have felt the oppression uh, uh, with their skin and blood, you know. Yes. Uh, they have been tortured for it. They have been flogged for, for it. Um, and uh, um, so they instinctively understand the values of freedom. 
and, and you can tell that, uh, for example, in Iran, by the slogans uh, women choose uh, yeah. to uh, talk about or the way they are standing up to the regime. One very important thing uh, is how you react to your enemy. Mm -hmm. uh, you cannot become like them. Uh, they spew hatred. You cannot just spew hatred back. You have to use democratic means to gain democratic ends. And yeah. Iran's civil society has discovered that. America, both on the far right and far left, have not. Uh, yeah. There is talk of democracy all the time, but it's not enough to talk about democracy. Uh, uh, you need to be able to uh, use means like the way Martin Luther King and James Baldwin use it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, and and you need. Uh, uh, you know, we talked about comfort, and we talked about how um, uh, this society looks for comfort. Um, yes. Uh, it is not only the corporate mentality that brings this. Mm -hmm. It is also the ideological mentality, one that divides the world into black hats and white hats yeah. and self-righteously puts himself or herself uh, within the white hat uh, group. So they don't need to think. Right. Uh, we all say we hate dictators. But that's not true. Um, as you said, uh, freedom is not something that everyone wants. Uh, you brought Jung uh, into it. Baldwin talks about it, mm -hmm. that how afraid people are. Yeah. Of, um, and that is why those who work in imagination and uh, ideas become dangerous. Mm -hmm. As Baldwin, James Baldwin used to say, artists are here to disturb the peace. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's what I tell the students whenever I go and talk, that you are here not to be comfortable, not to talk about yourself only, but to talk about others, to understand others, even your enemies. Because yes. if you want to win, you have to know them. Right. And you mentioned that ideology always needs an invented enemy. Yeah. Uh, and you, you located that here in the United States also. And of course, right now we are including last night watching as a nation, the uh, January 6th hearings. Yeah. Um, I want to, I want to challenge your uh, thoughts about, about America today and Trump. And I, and I say this as somebody who, um, was public about um, opposing Trump and and took a lot of uh, took a lot of criticism for it. So just keep that in mind. <laughs> um, what what do you say to people, particularly Iranians or others who are um, fighting repressive regimes, when they say, "Yes, we understand all that is bad about Trump and Trumpism, but his policies on those regimes were more powerful and more effective." For example, on Iran, the idea that um, that a, a repressive regime, um, a corrupt regime, one that is uh, terrorizing the world, should have maximum pressure on it, is more effective than um, the a, a Biden approach of of appeasement. What do you say to those people who 
who make that deal with the devil, or maybe they don't even see it as the devil, that this is a much better, much better choice. And, and I would say even it's not even necessarily limited to foreign policy. There are people, for example, I'm thinking of Mitt Romney, who strongly opposes Trump, but would, I'm sure prefer, I, I know prefers a, a conservative economic policy or conservatism in, in almost any area and, and opposes the, the Biden policy. What do you what do you say to people who uh, weigh weigh and then come out saying, no, I'd, I'd rather vote Trump? Well, you know, uh, we cannot only look at the world um, through what we perceive is our advantage. You know, we have to go beyond that. Uh, now, the whole point, uh, first of all, um, in regards to Trump's policies, uh, you have to under have an understanding of whether mm -hmm. he's coming at this policy because there are these values that he has to, uh, 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 he wants to God and uh, like he's opposing the uh, Iranian regime because um, he's pro-democracy, pro-freedom. Because the enemy of my enemy is not always my friend. And we notice this in people uh, in, the, on, in the Trump camp, mm -hmm. uh, like Giuliani, like Pompeo, uh, whom do they approach as opposition to the regime? Uh, an organization like Mujahideen uh, Khalq. The MEK. Um, that yeah the mlk is uh, a terrorist organization it's a cult and uh, they openly uh, support it so i don't look at it superficially uh, and 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 i one, one thing that worried me about trump yes. uh, was the fact that he was prepared uh, to be uh, in the same camp as the worst dictators in the world, like Putin and um, King Jong Un, and he only based his uh, policies on whether they liked him or not. So uh, at any moment he could turn out to like the regime and create a dialogue. And, and I, I have nothing against dialogue. Uh, it is uh, with uh, the Obama administration, uh, the problem was not that you need to have dialogue as a democratic country. You always initiate not violence, but dialogue. Mm -hmm. you right. know? Uh, so that was not what I was concerned with. What I was concerned with, with side by side with that dialogue, you need a critical dialogue. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that you you do not lose sight of the fact that your true allies are the Iranian people and not the Iranian regime. Mm -hmm. And that was blared. That yeah. differentiation was blared. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but because I disagreed with Obama, I was not agreeing with Trump. Sure, sure. Uh, exactly. And uh, it's the it's the polarity, uh, the, the the strong uh, bipolarity of the American uh, political discourse that 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 pushes us in these directions, unfortunately, and makes it, as you say, harder to see harder to see the truth and to, to make choices 
um, that are independent and based on our own thinking. I remember as you were talking, I remember during um, Bill Clinton's presidency, uh, you opened my eyes to something at the time I didn't even really, I couldn't, I couldn't quite grasp it. Uh, Bill Clinton had apologized to the Islamic Republic of Iran, the regime for the, the, the coup against Mossadegh. <laughs> and <laughs> you were very uh, upset about that uh, because again, the distinction wasn't made. If he had, if he had apologized to the people of Iran, it would have been one thing, but he apologized to the regime and the regime of course was, um, uh, the, the clerics were responsible in great part for that coup. And there isn't even a street in Iran named after Mossadegh. So, um, a really ill-informed sort of policy that, uh, that, that Iranians uh, took offense at much the same way that Obama was uh, rejected by uh, Iranian people because, because he didn't, he chose not to stand with them during the green movement. Um, so you also mentioned, and I was really drawn to this in your book um, and, and really relate to it. I, I, I feel very much the same way. Um, and very often, I would say even on a daily basis, you talk about guilt and how uh, you live in a free country, you have your freedoms, not just freedoms, but your comforts, your daily comforts. And yet you and, um, and Laudan Burumand, as you mentioned, our, our, our mutual friend, others who are working to help free that country and free other countries are regularly in touch with people who are living under brutal, brutal totalitarianism. And it, and it creates guilt, um, which is natural. What, can you talk about that feeling and and how do you grapple with it on a daily basis? <laughs> Sometimes I don't grapple with it. I let it take over me. Um, that feeling of guilt that you're talking about for me started as soon as the idea came to my mind that I need to leave. And yeah. uh, uh, and it came in so many ways, personally, leaving the people you loved behind uh, um, and also leaving the country that gave you a lot, you know, that, that yes, you love. Yes. Um, uh, so when I first came to America, um, I vowed that there were two things that I really wanted to um, uh, uh, do. One was to keep my freedom and independence of, I, of mind and heart, mm -hmm. to not belong to any sect or group, uh, and, and to be, uh, belong to my values rather yes. than uh, political parties or, you know, uh, 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 things like that. Uh, right. That was the first. The second was to be able to speak about things that I couldn't speak in, um, in Iran. Uh, because I felt the only way I can assert that guilt is to not talk on my own behalf, but uh, become a voice that uh, talks about what is happening inside Iran. You yeah. Know? Uh, because, Mariam John, there was such condescension, both on the right and the left, uh -huh. uh, about Middle East, and I saw it in terms of Iran. Yeah. Um, uh, 
they both believe that the, our culture is marriage for females at the age of nine and mandatory hijab and polygamy. They call it our culture. Uh, it is as if I would call uh, racism and burning witches culture of United States. Mm -hmm. you know? mm -hmm. uh, they ignore uh, the 3,000 year uh, civilization, they ignore the civil society inside Iran. They, they're ignorant. And James Baldwin used to say, ignorance um, plus power um, is the worst enemy of justice. Mm. You know? mm. uh, and, and that is what happens here. Yeah. Uh, that uh, they, they, they don't know. And, and on the right, they say this is their culture. Uh, Muslims are terrible. Muslims should not be allowed in this country. On the left, they say this is their culture. We yeah. should not criticize them. Cultural relativism. We don't know what's worse, actually. <laughs> yeah. I, I, and, and, you know, uh, why criticism means that you give equality of, I mean, you know, you, you, you're saying that you should know better when you mm -hmm. criticize someone. And they act towards us as if we are uh, children. We're not responsible. Um, we will be crushed if yeah. we are criticized. We yeah. won't be crushed if we are criticized. We would be crushed by prejudice. Yeah. You mentioned, yes, yes. You mentioned the, um, the patronizing attitude on the left. And um, you have written about the totalitarian um, instinct in the West. How concerned are you about woke, wokeism, woke politics, identity politics, trends on the left that are really anti-liberal? I'm worried about any trend that is anti-liberal, regardless of what their ideology is. Uh, I mean, I when uh, Roe v. Wade happens, uh, I am outraged and I understand how this attack on women uh, leads to other curtailment of their other rights. But at the same time, uh, I don't think that you can fight for freedom of women or minorities by taking on the language and the mentality of your opponents. I believe in the kind of struggle that Martin Luther King represents and James Baldwin represents. They fought against uh, racism and, uh, and they fought for civil rights of the yes. American people. Uh, no one can deny that. What we have now, the freedoms we have now is because of the way they were then. Mm -hmm. you know? And, and, and what I like to see uh, on the left is more Martin Luther King and, and less um, uh, the identity politics or, uh, or other trends. Yes, yes. Uh, Condoleezza Rice, I think, has a sentence that is almost exactly as what you, your last sentence, more Martin Luther King and less, and less identity politics. Um, Believing in the uh, the core fundamentals of the United States Constitution and actually the idea of, of equality rather than essentialism and separating people according to uh, how they look, um, uh, which is racism in the first place. Um, 
how do you see because because you 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 straddle many worlds uh you straddle iran and the united states of course you're an international figure i know that when you go for example to italy you are so so widely respected in your book talks or in other countries also you straddle the, those those cultural worlds and linguistic worlds and you also um you straddle what it is to be iranian inside iran and iranian in the diaspora when you look at the diaspora um what do you think and i will share with you before 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 you you express your thoughts is that i'm very often extremely disappointed uh in how the diaspora chooses to chooses to not think as 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 hana arant would say chooses not to have a a conscience when it comes to their unique position as having left Iran because of the lack of freedom and then having freedom in the country that is their adopted country and yet choosing not to uh, not to think not to act not to do the things that they know would be helpful to those inside the country who are um who are struggling not just for themselves but struggling for the freedom of everybody free the freedom of Uh, the Iranian people and of course when the Iranian people are free then the Middle East region and all the world is much safer and much freer what what are your thoughts on the diaspora no i i agree with you that uh, first of all i think what you just said is very important that when the Iranian people are free um, the whole region and the world in fact is affected by it uh, the islamic republic was the first regime um, that uh, conquered through theocracy. It, was the, it is the first modern theocracy, and they formulated uh, mm-hmm. uh, this whole uh, theory of Islamism. I always say um, the Islamic Republic is the Soviet Union of the Muslim world. That mm-hmm. They brought this extremism. Uh, uh, to the foreground and and radicalized others, uh, and their failure is the failure of that totalitarian ideology. So it's very important. Um, but sometimes uh, when you're in diaspora, um, you don't know. I mean, I empathize with the fact that people uh, are so displaced. Uh, yes. mentally, psychologically, yeah. uh, that they they exist in a no war, no man's land yeah. type of a thing, and so uh, they become distanced uh, both from the country that they have left behind and the country that they are part of now. Uh, some act as if this country doesn't exist. Yeah. I consider myself an Iranian-American, and I consider the fact that I have a responsibility towards both of these uh, yeah. uh, 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 countries, you know. Uh, but uh, I understand how difficult it is to um, not speak on behalf of the whole people. Yeah. Uh, to be able to uh, trans, what I think is the most important thing that people in diaspora can do is two things. One is we are free here, and mm-hmm. we can create a space where we would 
talk and exchange about democracy, what it means to be a democratic country, something like what you want to do, uh, perhaps uh, would um, trying to uh, uh, educate people, uh, try to uh, uh, not just mm -hmm. think that it is enough to criticize the Islamic regime. It's not yeah. enough. Right. What is more important even, or as important, uh, is education of us, the Iranian people, uh, about what is democracy? How could you use democratic means to reach a democratic end? How can right. you avoid these totalitarian trends that are so easy yeah. uh, to come? Uh, I think that that is one of the most important things diaspora can do. And the second thing is to transfer mm -hmm. what is happening inside Iran to the world. Yes. Uh, to not let the Iranian people be forgotten, yes. you know, that these are the two important things. Yeah, yeah. Let me, one last question. Um, you mentioned in the book a sentence that really stayed with me. You're talking about the revolution, of course, and you've written about this in your other books. And um, I was, I one of the things that really left an impression on me from your book, um, things I have been silent about is, is your husband, uh, Bijan Nadiri, during the Iranian revolution, um, you and others uh, were ardent revolutionaries. You, you were uh, aligned with the Maoist camp, for example. You believed in a, uh, a, a total revolution was necessary. And you wrote about, uh, you have written about how your husband, Bijan, was much more uh, measured and, and wise. And he, he, he said, he, he believed that Bakhtiar should be given a chance and that uh, the possibility for reform is actually very, um, very real and very possible and that the revolution is very dangerous. And in this book, uh, read dangerous, which is a position I really respect. And, and the, 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 the more we go forward with time, the wisdom of that, I think, um, assessment is, is all too obvious. In this book, Read Dangerously, you, you say, what if we had not given, given in to the frenzy? What if we had not given in to the frenzy? And that this is relevant um, for you, not just about the revolution in Iran, but about politics in the, in the Western world, particularly the United States. Can you talk a bit about that? Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, that is a question that I will uh, be asking myself for the rest of my life because that was going into it emotionally is always, always dangerous, you know, and, and we lose ourselves. We give up our own identity. And Bijan um, was right. In fact, to be genuinely liberal, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. To be genuinely progressive, uh, you, uh, uh, how do I uh, say it? Uh, I forgot my name. <laughs> to be genuinely liberal, you, you don't get caught up in the frenzy. You don't, yeah, you, you don't, don't get, get caught up. Yeah. To be genuinely free, uh, liberal, you fight. 
against the frenzy. Including um, in yourself, right? If you yes. feel it in yourself, yeah. You know, that is, I'm so glad you brought this up because of the fact that uh, uh, to be genuinely uh, democratic, yes. you don't only uh, blame the world for what, what is happening. Mm -hmm. You look inside yourself. Mm -hmm. And the most difficult thing in life is um, facing yourself, facing the devil inside you. I can't tell you how many times in Iran and even in here um, I have caught myself acting like them. Uh, there were days in Iran where I would walk the streets and say, I want them all dead, you know, uh, with no argument. And, 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 and you allow hatred to come into your mind. And hatred is so dangerous because it overwhelms your mind. It um, destroys yourself, as Martin it, Luther King says. Yeah, it, it does not allow uh, you to be you and to do what you love. So yeah. protest should not be always just out of hate. It should be out of outrage. Mm -hmm. And you mm -hmm. should be firm, but it should be out of love. It should be to preserve what you love. And it should be affirming, can, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that you cannot do with frenzy. Uh, yeah. I mean, we're watching every day in the news in America the scenes from January 6th. And uh, what, you know, uh, the only thing that it does is polarize more and uh, uh, make us self-righteous. Self-righteousness is the worst trait yeah. uh, uh, in us humans. Right, I'm actually concerned about that, is that, that, that it, 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 on the one hand, it's truth, it's accountability, it's, um, it's transparency about what's happened. On the other hand, does it add, uh, to the other side's uh, resentment and unwillingness to to question their own uh, thought patterns, which have been so so ingrained, because as you mentioned, the James Baldwin quote, they they have been they they have taken root because the there's been a lot of power. I mean, the the president of the United States was telling them that this election was stolen, and now it's it, it must be very very hard for some people to change their minds uh, if that's what they've believed. Um, yeah, yeah, that, that is uh, where leadership comes in. I mean, people look up to uh, models and uh, that is where I'm worried about because uh, it is easy to blame everything on Trump as it was very easy for us to blame everything on the Islamic Republic. But how Trump and the Islamic Republic came into being, would they have come into being if we acted differently? Right. I'm sure it would have been. Uh, at the beginning, I remember how media took Trump as a clown. They would give voice. I mean, the guy is talking about Obama not being born in the United States, and they give him space to come and talk about it, you know. Uh, they're amused by it, it sells. It sells, yeah. The media sold him. And yeah. then we and the media itself 
uh, we're caught uh, in what he, what we're still paying for. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Azar Nafisi, I can't thank you enough for your time, your your wonderful ideas. Always a source of inspiration. I'm really grateful to you and grateful to all our viewers and listeners for being with us. Azar John, thank you very much again. Thank you, Mariam John. It was great to be talking to you. A pleasure. This has been Talking in the Free World with Mariam Memarsadegi. The show is a production of Canada's Macdonald Laurier Institute. Please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts, give us your rating and review, and please share with others. If you have suggestions, including on topics or guests, I'd be grateful. You can write to me on Twitter, at Memarsadegi. Thanks for listening.